Welcome to Bethlehem Church Online. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so excited that you decided to join us for worship today. I hope the singing and preaching of God's Word is uplifting and it gives you just what you need. I'm not sure where you are in your relationship or your walk with the Lord, uh, but I want today to be a blessing. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that today is encouraging and that it's just what you need. If it's your first time, make sure to click the link in the post and fill out that form. We have a free gift for you following today's service. Thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the service. So many neat things happening. Um, and then also with this series, uh, it's just, it's working in my life and in my heart and the way that we are incorporating it into Holy Week this year. Um, we've got two more weeks. This week, we're going to talk more about Pharaoh. Uh, kind of the conversation started last week. We'll continue that into this week. Um, but then we have two weeks, and of course we start the plagues this week, but we'll have a couple weeks on the plagues, and then we're, we're getting right into, uh, I can't believe Easter's going to be here before we know it, um, but we're having that Good Friday service here, which is a worship night, music centered around the sacrifice that the Lord made. We're going to talk about Passover, so we'll be on the Passover passage um, you know, in, in that service. And then we're going to talk about what their Passover meal was like. So we're going to review like the elements that they had, and then we're going to compare it with our, essentially the new constituted Passover meal, which is the Lord's Supper. And then we'll take communion that, uh, that night, Friday night together. So it's just going to really set the tone for the weekend. And I just can't uh, think of a better way to spend Good Friday than with our church family and uh, taking communion together and getting ready for Resurrection Sunday. And we're staying in Exodus. So we've never done this where it's been like really thematic from the beginning of the year and planning out these, these sermons. Um, it's usually just been an Easter message. So, but the Easter message this year will be the Exodus. So uh, the resurrection that is pictured within the Reed or Red Sea, probably the Reed Sea, uh, crossing, uh, we're going to experience that together from the book. So we're here, we're in the text, we're drilling down, and I know the Lord's got so much for us there. And so uh, don't miss it, you know, like be here, be present, think about who the Lord could um, use you in their life and what the Lord could do through you uh, as we continue through. But um, take your Bibles and turn to Exodus, Exodus chapter 6, Exodus chapter 6, verse 1, and it'll be on the screen, but... Um, this is a unique sermon. It's, it's going to be interesting. Um, I like going, one thing I like about going through the text is that we experience the ebb and flow, right? It's, if I was just picking topical messages, you know, it would probably, knowing my personality, every week would be like, hoorah, let's go. You know what I mean? And it would be like up here and we would skip all the, you know, the depressing stuff. And <laughs> we just keep marching through. Uh, but with walking through a passage of scripture, I feel like we're on the ride. Like we're experiencing the highs and the lows in the passage. And we need that. Some weeks it's down here. Some weeks it's depressing. And you're seeing it for what it is and the raw nature of what the author is wanting us to experience. Uh, and today is no exception. As we see the demise or the unfolding of, you know, the, the undoing, of Pharaoh's life. Can you imagine? You know, what if you were related to Pharaoh? Pharaoh's daughter, right, who the Lord used in the beginning of the passage, is going to see her father or someone in his family, right, who would be able to see, like, do you, do you, not, do you not get it that this isn't going to end well for you? Like, have you picked up on the fact that Yahweh is more powerful than our God's? And, and you should, you should like, make a change. You should change course. Just let him go. But then he just drills down even more. Can you imagine if you were related to him? And then seeing the loss that will come from that. Today's message, like, you, you, may, be, uh, you may be Pharaoh. You may be here where, look, I'm, I'm, I'm coming, I'm attending. Maybe, I'm, maybe you're watching online. And you are just doing things on your own. And it's like, you know, whatever it is, I'm, I'm going to get through it. I'm going to plow through. Life is what I make it. You know, my effort and energy is 
the only force in the universe that's going to, to make a difference. If that's you, I pray that you'll open your eyes. I pray that you'll look around and see that the Lord is working. There's, there's a force greater than us. And maybe we're somewhere in the middle. Maybe as a Christian or a believer, you've kind of lost your way. And it's like you've forgotten how good God is and how capable he is. And you're not exercising any of that in your life. And you're just cruising. You know, that's, that's the bad thing about prosperity, right? Like we live in a prosperous land. Like we're all super blessed just to be in this, in, in this country, in this nation. You know, you get the, my, my kids were, they go through the mail. Anybody's kids go through the mail? Like it's just funny. I wonder how much longer that's going to last. Have you ever thought about that? Like, what an archaic system, <laughs> you know, where we put a, a sticker on, a, on an envelope on a piece of paper and send it places. Like, I mean, I wonder how much longer that's going to last. I mean, I think we're already, like, getting notified via a smartphone with a full picture of what came in the box, right? Does anybody do that? Where you see the mail before it gets, I didn't even know you could do that. I mean, there's like systems that are far beyond the systems, but yet we still, and I'm for paper, trust me, like, I, I'm for it. I'm for waste, all of it, no. It's just funny, though, you know, the kids want to, you know, they want to get the mail, and it's like Samaritan's Purse, or if you've been to a concert, right, and you've signed up to support one of those children in another country, like, you're going to get the mail, you know what I mean? <laughs> They're like, oh, you're one of those. <laughs> you're one of those that... that you know, likes to support and feel better about yourself. So, no, just kidding. Uh, but anyway, so we get all the mail, and it was like, you know, the earthquakes in Turkey and all that Samaritan's uh, Purse is doing for that and how you can be involved. And, you know, it just starts a conversation with your kids. Like, what about this? What about that? Like, can you believe that they live that way and that they, you know, and I'm like, look, you knuckleheads don't understand how good you got it. They really don't. Like, we are super blessed, but it's also a curse. What seems like a blessing because we have everything that we need, it's also the fact that we have everything that we need and we don't need God. And in that society where there's such a thin veil between this reality and the next, death is so much more common, disease is so much more common, they see the reality of the unseen realm. It's like a thin paper bag. It's there. They can touch it. They can see it. And, and that's why in a lot of those villages, witch doctors and witchcraft, I mean, not that it isn't 100% evident here in our nation and in our area, but it's so much more common there because the veil is so thin. Over here, the enemy has the leverage of the success. He doesn't have that over there. So he has to put on a show. He has to uh, control and use and flex his power in different ways. And look, we ought not be ignorant to that. We ought to know that, like, the enemy's working and moving. We're going to see that in this passage of Scripture. But I feel like the church has been lulled to sleep as long as we check the boxes, clock in, clock out, if you will. We're good. We'll send our money. We'll make a difference. Operation Christmas Child comes and goes. We give our shoeboxes. We feel better about ourselves. But what if there's more? What if God wants to do a supernatural work in your life? And let me tell you, he does. Because that's what he does. It's who he is. So maybe you're Pharaoh today. And I hope today you'll change your mind. Maybe you're somewhere in between, somewhere in between, as the old song says, Jesus and John Wayne, you know, you're in the middle where it's like, hmm, yeah, I'm good with it all as long as it doesn't affect me. As long as I don't have to be uncomfortable, everything's good. I'm fine. Or maybe you're completely lost. Maybe you're uncomfortable. Maybe you're in darkness. Maybe you're the one who is oppressed. Maybe Pharaoh is working you over. That's okay. The Lord has an answer for you too. So wherever you are in the story today, 
I pray that the Holy Spirit will use it as he sees fit. Exodus chapter 6, verse number 1. I'm going to move quick. But the Lord replied to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Look at this wording. Because of a strong hand, he will let them go. And because of a strong hand, he will drive them from this land. Verse number six, go to verse number six. Therefore tell the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. I will redeem you, watch this, with an outstretched what? Arm and great acts of judgment. So there's also a place like 23 times, and I did a little search, a little query search in my uh, Bible study this week. 23 times in the Old Testament, we see present the Lord's strong hand and an outstretched arm. It's a theme, strong hand and an outstretched arm stood out to me. When I looked up strong hand and outstretched arm, um, interestingly enough, in Egyptian hieroglyphics and many of their paintings, it shows and depicts the Pharaoh character as having a large arm and a big hand. Um, Interesting, right? Like this is so specific. The narrator who's using this the Egyptian and the Israelite, as they read it, they know exactly what this means. Pharaoh is the one in the story with the, the big hand, the outstretched arm. In some of the pictures that I looked up, it was the big hand and the outstretched arm that had the, you know, the arrow or the, the bow in it or the implement that would strike the enemy that was also depicted in the image. And so Egypt, it's like, They're programmed to think our Pharaoh character is the connection to the deity, and he has the power and the weight of the deity in his strong hand and his outstretched arm. Now, if you've been following along with the series, the passage before, if you remember, um, Moses and Aaron received some of the leaders and the elders from Israel out into the the three days journey out into the wilderness and they show the elders and the leaders of Israel the sign with the staff and the hand in the coat in the cloak right and then when Israel saw the miracles they what they believed and they worshiped and then the and the lord said now Moses and Aaron go tell Pharaoh that he needs to let my people go, all of my people to go out into the wilderness so that they may worship. And they told Pharaoh, look, if you don't let us do this, God's going to judge what? Us. He's going to judge our people for not worshiping and doing what they're supposed to do. And in that exchange, Pharaoh says, who am I, or who who is Yahweh, rather, that I should listen to him? I'm a God. In his position, he had the control and the power and the weight of Kanum and, and of their Egyptian pantheon. And so who's Yahweh coming in here saying, you know, that, that I'm to let my slaves go? And if you consider, like, the, the weight of that, I mean, he was sealing his fate, but he was also revealing his heart. And that's why I, I, I feel... Sometimes there are some theological systems that are out there that lose the free will aspect. And and what I want to show you is that from the beginning all the way through this story, the Lord's giving chance after chance after chance after chance. Even Moses, look at what Moses had to work through on his own. I mean, he wasn't perfect out of the gate. He struggled. He had to be convinced. He had to be led. And even the Lord got upset with him a few times. And so When it reached that point in the story, you see that Pharaoh, when he is confronted by Moses and Aaron, he says, okay, not only are you not taking your people and going, but because you've even brought this up, I'm going to take from them their straw and their hay that they're using to make bricks, and we're not going to lighten the quota. We're going to make you maintain the quota of bricks, and you're going to do it without straw. How's that? Because he didn't care about them as people. He cared about the production, what he could receive from them as slaves. 
And so that, that's what has led to this point. And so what you find is that those folks that had already been oppressed and already been beaten into that position so many times over and over again, they lost sight. They lost focus. And in the midst of darkness, they said, Moses, you should have never piped up. You should have never said anything. Here's what you've done. You've come in and you've made our already hard, incredibly hard, terrible life harder. And how many times have we been put in that position where we're trying to serve the Lord, we're trying to do what's right, we're trying to do the thing, but ultimately before God is able to see breakthrough, there's often a downturn. And the Lord giveth, but he also taketh away. What would you have done if, if you would have said to those people looking at them in their suffering? In their labor, their forced labor camps, and said to them, God was the one who made it harder. God was the one who basically took the, the hay away. God was the one who's controlling this narrative at this point. Pharaoh's not really in control anymore. Would you get bitter? Would you get mad at the Lord? I'll tell you this, I don't blame them. I probably would have felt the same way. I probably would have felt abandoned, alone. And I think about, I think about the church, right, and the diversity in the church. Like, there's people from all different backgrounds and walks of life in here and online. And if you think about the church, like, globally, right, have we considered this? The world has fallen. There is an enemy working, I mean like big time, trying to control the narrative. And, and here we are as Christians, you know, we're kind of like the, the middle ground, we're the pawns, if you will, where you've got the forces of darkness pulling us, and you've got the forces of good, the Lord, redeeming us and using us. And in that middle ground, think about what is lost. In that fight, sometimes we take, not only do we take it for granted, but we take it personally, like God was doing something to us. If God didn't personally do this to his only begotten son, maybe that would be a part of the argument. If God did not literally allow Jesus, who was in the position of firstborn, to go before us and endure the cross and endure the pain and endure the suffering and pour out his wrath on his only begotten son so that we then could walk the same path and we knowing that we couldn't defeat death and we knowing that we didn't have what it takes. Why? Because we've partaken in the sin. We've done the bad things too. So we're not guiltless, we're guilty. And so in that, if Jesus hadn't been the one to go before us, then I would say that we have a reason to be upset. I would say we have a reason to be like, God, why would you do that? God, why would you put me in that position? Why would you lead me down that path where they take my straw? Why would you lead me down that path where it's gotten worse? Every time I start to follow you, God, it gets worse. And he says, don't you remember what I did to Jesus? What I'm asking you to walk through is not something that I haven't already walked myself. And so therefore, I have done the work and I'm just asking you to walk it too. I'm asking you to pick up your cross and I've actually already handcrafted it for you. And so what I want you to understand, and this is something that Paul said perfectly, I know how to be a base and I know how to, how to abound, both to be full and to be hungry. I know how to suffer need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul knew that the ups and downs were a part of it. And if we as a, I, I believe this with all my heart, if we can learn as a church to embrace and walk through the downs with joy, our churches would be full. If we as a church can learn to embrace the struggle and embrace the pain, watch out. The gospel would spread like wildfire. 
Why? Because that's what the world isn't good at. The world is flocking to the doctor to say, give me something that will numb what I'm feeling because the world is hard and it's tough. What happens when a group of folks rise up and says, I know what the world does. I know that it hurts and I'm okay to walk through that pain because I've got somebody walking through with me. Do you understand what I'm saying? But, but you see, in this, in the moment, they still had to go to work without the straw. In the moment, yeah, when the motivational speech fades and they're done with their quiet time in the morning and they actually have to go out and walk in it, they said, Moses, you made things worse. Pharaoh is only showing his true colors and now so am I. This is interesting, isn't it? But here's what I want to encourage you with. Pharaoh wasn't the one with the strong hand and the outstretched arm. The culture said that Pharaoh had the strong hand and the outstretched arm. But the scriptures prove that it's Yahweh. Whatever you're facing and whatever is in front of you that is crippling you, God is bigger and greater. There's, there's, there's someone in this room this morning that on the outside, you're a middle-aged adult and you've got it all together and people would love to be you. But on the inside, you're a scared 12, 13-year-old kid that's never gotten past the hurt. You're scared and terrified to death and what's on the outside is just a front to cover up from the fact that you're scared, you don't even know what to do tomorrow. You don't know if you'll be able to hold it together to have a conversation with your kid or your spouse. You're hanging by a thread. You're, you're terrified because you've been hurt. And the Bible says that they were in darkness. When Pharaoh put it to them even more, they were in darkness. And here's, here's what I, I just want to tell you this morning. No matter where you are, no matter what you've been through, the Lord sees you, and he hears you, and he's working. No matter how bad it hurts, no matter how dark it is, it's not too dark that he can't see. The weight of that problem isn't too heavy that he can't just reach down and lift it up. He just wants you to see the purpose in the pain. He, he wants you to see it from his perspective. 23 times, strong hand and outstretched arm is mentioned about Yahweh. What I'm telling you is this narrative that we're studying, the Exodus narrative, is one that is used over and over and over again in the lives of the children of Israel that they looked back and had a memory of God delivering them. Here's one commentator said this. This is from an excerpt from Nehemiah. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. The report that Nehemiah received from Jerusalem was discouraging, but he took comfort in the Lord. The ta task was great, impossible within human ability, but he rested in, God, in the God of redemption, the one who possesses great power and a mighty strong hand. The task we face is overwhelming at times. I realize that our world grows darker and more sinful each day. There are fewer today than ever before who are concerned with the ways of God. It may seem a monumental task, but take courage, because we do not walk alone. We've not been asked to stand within our own strength. We serve the God of heaven, one of great power and a strong hand. There is nothing that we can't accomplish with the help of the Lord. As God says in Philippians 4.13, in Ephesians 3.19-20, through 20, And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us, we are more than conquerors in Christ. That's the Old Testament sermon series from Chris Benefield. Look, there are many times in your life that you can't see what God is going to do in your life, but that doesn't mean that he isn't going to do it. There may be a moment right now where it is completely dark, but trust that the light is coming. Moses told the Israelites in verse 9, and they did not listen because of their broken spirit and their hard labor. 
I love this quote from Augustine. Trust the past to God's mercy, the present to his love, and the future to his providence. When you're struggling, we have to connect the past and trust in God's mercy. His present to his, the present to his love and the future to his providence. Augustine of Hippo. Then there's like this random, here we are like working through here, right? Chapter 6, we see as the story unfolds, when you get to verse number 14, what happens? It's a genealogy. You ever wonder why these genealogies are just like dropped in? How many skip over genealogies when you're reading? Come on, be honest. Only one person, two, three are going to be honest in this whole group. Y'all know you're like, okay, and -and so-and-so begat next. (laughs) They're there for a reason. I love this excerpt from the Faith Life Study Bible. Listen to this. This genealogy, Exodus 6, 14 through 30, connects the present people with the ancient patriarchs and marks Moses and Aaron transitioning to full dependence on the power of God. Up until this point, how many times has Moses questioned God in this passage? Over and over and over again. Do you remember? How many times has he been like, but God, I can't do that because of this. But God, I can't do that, right? Over and over. After this genealogy, there is no, they have full dependence upon the power of God from that point moving forward. Why is that? Because the genealogy connects them to the God of old. What they're doing is they're pausing and the narrator is saying, hey guys, guys, you're in darkness, but let's not forget where we come from. (laughs) You see, the enemy wants you, uh, man, the enemy wants you isolated. He wants you in darkness. God wants you in darkness remembering that the light is coming. God wants you to be comfortable with the darkness because you know that he's the one who said, let there be, and there what? Was. Come on. Why would that, what's up with the genealogies? Well, here's what's up with it. It details and it outlines that Aaron is of the tribe of Levi and that there is a priesthood that God is forming and there's a connection and overlap with Aaron's family into the tribe of Judah. So what is this? Not only is the past, the past victories, uh, their father Abraham and the covenant that he made with God and that God made with him, not only does that apply Applied to their present, but also it is something that that alludes to a change where the Levitical priesthood and the tribe of Judah will come together, and and what is that? It will come together in a messianic profile. Jesus will be the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he will be our great high priest. This genealogy is everything. <laughs> It is like, do you understand what I am doing? You see, I've disinherited all the nations of the world, but I've chosen you. And when I make a choice, I don't change my mind. The people do. Look, when God said he would make provision for you, he will make provision for you. Does that mean that God didn't make provision for those 500 years when those folks died? No, when they died, guess what? The Lord had provision for them. Paul, whether in life and death, right? For me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. Do you understand that life is but a vapor? The bigger part of this is eternity. And if the Lord has cared for us in life and in death, then if our life comes to an end here, to be absent from the body is to be present with who? The Lord. He's cared for this thing. So what looks like a loss is actually a what? A win. It's a gain. Somebody say gains, gains, yeah, come on. (laughs) There's some fellows and women and men in this auditorium who know what gains are all about. I'm just trying to make it another day on the mats. You know what I'm saying? It was a rough week. Dana tried to kill me this week. (laughs) Dana's favorite comment, it's a contact sport, Pastor. (laughs) I was bleeding everywhere. It was awesome. It was good. It was so good. <laughs> Whether by life or death, thank you, Lord. 
ushering me into glory from the jujitsu gym. <laughs> oh, that'd be a great way to go, wouldn't it? I mean, why not? Tell mama I love her. <laughs> anyway, I don't know where that came from. If we don't have the right perspective, then who will? If we don't start seeing it, look, it ain't going to come on your phone. I know what it is. Monday morning when I open up my phone, I'm, the news is going to encourage me. It's going to give me the perspective I need. Yeah, okay. Let's keep moving. It's really a very simple thing. The Lord chooses and uses. Do you see that? You know the Lord ended up using Pharaoh. Do you, know, do you see that? He did. And the Lord ended up using Moses. What I see here, look at chapter 7, verse number 1. The Lord answered Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, will be your prophet. Similar to how God worked in his people, the Lord speaks and communicates to a prophet, and the prophet takes the word to who? To the people. Well, Pharaoh, the Lord was like, see how this is going to work for Pharaoh, because you were claiming that you had a speech impediment or whatever, and you couldn't talk. Now, the equation still works. I'm going to give you a word, but you're going to give the word to your brother, and he's going to deliver it to Pharaoh. And what this is going to look like is that you're God to Pharaoh. And I think for me, like reading this and taking it in, it told me this. God is working and he has his own set of formulas and equations. Do you understand what I'm saying? God has a way that he is working it. We just need to submit to it and be a part of it. We need to stop playing God. We need to stop trying to figure out the things that he's already figured out. I'm no mathematician, you hear me. I was, I was like, I went to a Christian school which means I'm dumb. <laughs> dumb. We didn't even have math class. I mean, our parents were like, we're keeping them out of the public schools. What does that mean? I don't know. We don't have money for the good private schools. Where are they going to go? The church. He can sit there and clean all day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was weird. It was really weird. I was raised in a cult. Pray for me. No. <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> pass out the Kool-Aid real quick. No. <laughs> Calm down. Next communion, we're going to get them. <laughs> I'm no mathematician. I'm not trying to figure out the things that God has already got figured out. But here, y'all laugh. But when something doesn't go right, we instantly all turn into Albert Einstein. Tell me I'm wrong. Let me figure this thing out. I got this, man. I'm going to tell you why it didn't work out. I'm going to tell you why it's going to be different next time. They ain't going to get me. X equals, <laughs> what are you doing? You're trying to figure it out. Well, that's what we're supposed to do. Maybe not. Maybe you need to let Pharaoh be who Pharaoh is. Trust me, trust me when I say this. We in the church don't do well with lost people. We don't. I'm at a season in my life where I'm just sitting back watching other church people just be dumb. And I'm just like, wow. Somebody was texting me, and they're in this room. They know who they are, but I'm not going to embarrass them. Somebody texted me this week, and it was like a thread from somebody else's social media or whatever. We were chatting about that. And I was just like, yeah, it's so dumb. I have, like, totally passed this point in, in my life where I care at all about what another obnoxious Christian has to say about something. You understand what I'm saying? I care way more about the lost people that are watching that tomfoolery, right? You understand what I'm saying? We, we need to be different. What does that mean? It means you need to, like, look a certain way and act a certain way. No. No, it doesn't. People, I love this quote from Groeschel, people would rather have someone that is real than someone who is always right. You can clap. That ain't my quote. <laughs> it's true, though. But here we are as Christians, we've got it all figured out. I'm going to tell you why the country's in the shape of this. I'm going to tell you why you lost your son. I'm going to tell you why. You got all the answers. It really sounds like you're playing God. And everything has to be your way or the what? That ain't it. The Lord is complex. And his formulas are his formulas. And the last time I checked, the scripture says his ways are not what? Our ways. So that means I need to be content with being an X in the formula 
and not having the answer. If anything, the church of Jesus Christ needs to say this a lot more. I don't know. I'm not sure. Y'all say it with me on three. I'm not sure. Ready? One, two, three. I'm not sure. Here's another one. God knows on three. One, two, three. God knows. Was that hard? That wasn't hard at all. That hurt some of you, didn't it? Man. But if I don't know, then my kids are going to lose faith and confidence in me. No. They're going to actually gain, you're going to gain their trust. Because they're going to be like, mom and dad actually don't have it all figured out. We're going to work through these things together. Huh. Everybody say, huh, on three. One, two, three. Huh. Man. This is quite interesting. You're going to make yourself sound a lot smarter. That's not the goal, but it's just a byproduct, and I'm good with it. Here's what I'm saying. Moses did not have it all figured out. He did as the Lord commanded him to do. For me, I got to not get in the weeds too much because I'll get on some kind of soapbox. I'm nearly there, but I'll stop right there. The Lord has a formula. I wrote something for you, and I'm going to read it to you. Here it is. You ready? If I can find it. The outline is simple. You are on the side of the Lord's choosing and using, or you are being used to show others how real God is, unbeknownst to you. This allows others a front row seat to experience something above the ordinary. In order for you to participate, you must accept yourself as the ordinary in the equation and Jesus as the extraordinary. Those that are being used for their obstinance, Pharaoh, tend to deepen the faith of some with their ignorance, but they themselves choose the path of superiority and therefore make the claim on their being the extraordinary only to be left with nothing but the loss of what their own sin and pride removes from what would be a meaningful existence. What do I mean by that? It's pretty loaded. You choose. Either you are awesome and you have something to say and you're the person who makes the difference or Jesus. One of the two. There's not room for you both. And if you choose to be the way maker and the miracle worker, and the one with all the answers, and the man of God, the MOG. If you choose that, then you're the extraordinary one, and there's no place for Jesus. What what should we do? We should be the ordinary. We should be the one that absolutely doesn't know what the purpose is, but God does. And when we take the, the path of humility, When we are made low, the Lord gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. What does that mean? I think there's churches and Christians all over America right now that are living in their high place and in their high view, and from that view, there is no God. They are the God. And the problem with it is God says, well, you've got your own resources. You're doing your own thing. You've figured it out. Have at it. I think I expressed last week how many of my mentors, men from positions, have fallen. At some point, we have got to, and I'd love to, I would love to do this experiment as a church. Can you all go along this with me? Can we do something different? I would love to just be the humble ones that say, I don't really know. The Lord's working. He's moving. I'm going to choose humility, and I'm going to let God do whatever he wants to do with my life. I'm not going to be super attached to anything. If the Lord wants to make me poor, if the Lord wants to make me rich, those are Paul's words, I'm what? I'm good with it. If the Lord wants me to talk to a politician or a pauper, I'm good with it. Maybe your next door neighbor, you could start there. I don't have to tell someone that if they come to church, everything in their life is going to be right. But I can tell them that if they come to church, they're going to find purpose in their pain. You see, when I read this story, I see a simple equation. You're either allowing God to use you or God is using you without you wanting it or allowing it. Either way, God is who? God is God. I would rather be Moses and Aaron. In the end... One loses their firstborn, and the other doesn't. 
I'm real. I'm not that smart, right? I'm not that smart. I can make the right decision there and pick the right one. Why are we putting on a front? Why are we acting like we've got it all figured out? The Lord calls the shots, doesn't he? All right, this is, uh, I, I got five minutes, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap up early. That's a total lie. <laughs> Just throwing you a curveball, see if you were interested or not. Mr. Dan's, I'm going to use a bathroom. Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> I have, this is so interesting. The turn that this text takes, I was like, what does this mean? In the story, two things happen, okay? In chapter seven, remember the Lord, I told you this in the beginning of the, in the, beginning of the story. The Lord gave Moses two things for a sign. One was his what? Staff. And it became a what? Snake. And then Moses reached down by the tail, grabbed the tail, and it became a staff again, right? That was one sign. The other one, he put his hand inside his what? And then he pulled it out, and it was diseased. He put it back, pulled it out. It was whole again. So he had some miracles. I didn't notice this before in the story, but um, Pharaoh had miracles too. And I know that, I, like, I knew it, but I didn't, like, I didn't process it. You know what I mean? I'm reading through this, and the Lord knew that Pharaoh was going to ask for a miracle. How, how many of us understand that lost people are dealing with miracles too. Sorry, I'm chewing my cough drop. How many of us have realized, like, this is a lot. I'm, I'm unpacking a lot. For, and if, if I lose you, I'm sorry. Like, go back and listen to it a couple times. This is just a lot going on in my mind. But, like, unpacking this, I'm thinking to myself, I come from a background that is exclusive. The Lord only works this way, right? God is the only one who does miracles. All the other stuff is fake and, and phony. Here's what happens. The Lord knew Pharaoh was going to ask for a miracle, and Pharaoh asks for a miracle and a sign. And God says when he asks for it, have Aaron throw down the staff. Pharaoh's magicians, that, that word doesn't quite translate King James, CSB, in our English vernacular, it's more like his sorcerers, if you look at the Hebrew word. He has powerful dudes that work in that unseen realm. And the Bible says that after Aaron threw the staff down, it became a snake. They also threw their staffs down, and they became what? Snakes. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord works and moves and is able to perform the miraculous, but guess what? So does the enemy. And if we get so focused on the miracle and what that miracle is, and the miracle is the only thing, what if we're watching the devil perform a miracle in our life and we're thinking it's God? I was like, here's the difference. Moses' staff ate their snakes. And I was like, okay, that's at least one good thing. Shoo! <laughs> Who's snake one? And it's more like his word snake, it's like dragon. Like his staff prevailed. It like ate them legitimately. But I think to myself, like the American church, we are so, I say this a lot because it's true, and I'm trying to shake you, trying to shake myself when I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. We are so spoiled. We are spoiled rotten. We have it so doggone good. That's a southern term. Doggone. You know what I mean? So good. Could it be, could it be that we're the Pharaoh asking for the miracles and, and the enemy's like, I'll give you that job. I'll give you that relationship. And we're over here. God has been so good. <laughs> So good. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor Mavi. I know I'm loud. I know. <laughs> that was funny. Could it be that we're like, God is so good, and we have not accounted for the fact that Satan can give us whatever he wants? 
Satan took Jesus up to the mountain and said, I'll give you all this stuff if you bow down to worship me. And doggone it if Americans don't say, well, as long as I got three hots in a cot, I'm good. Man, as long as I got a good job, as long as I can give a little money to the church, as long as we're comfortable, he can keep throwing the snakes down. Pharaoh didn't care. He didn't care. His people were able to turn their staffs into snakes too. At what point have we forgotten the Lord? We are over here like a bunch of kids at the circus going. And the enemy just keeps performing his little tricks for us. And we're playing right into the hand. Why? Because we don't like to be uncomfortable you see, when God said, I'm going to perform some miracles, there's going to be a season where it gets tough before it gets better. There's going to be a season where you have to be okay with Pharaoh getting angry. You see, if you want to actually have a good testimony for the Lord in the workplace, that might not be the easiest thing you've ever done. If you actually want to show joy in the midst of a storm, if you actually want to show a lost and dying world that Jesus is good, even when your wife or your husband or your kids get cancer, then maybe you'll ask for a miracle. Then maybe you'll come at it from a different perspective, but that's often a perspective that's rejected by the American church that says, I just don't want to suffer. I just want everything to be good, which is why the prosperity gospel is so popular. Oh, you just keep giving and the Lord will bless you. You just buy me another jet. The Lord will bless you. It's the work of the Lord for you to buy me that $5,000 suit. <laughs> Lord, your pastor's up here wearing Carhartt shoot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all get me a new pair of work boots for real? That's all I'm looking for. Man. Shoot. They're so disconnected, aren't they? So disconnected from reality. The devil's got his snakes, y'all. The devil's got his snakes and his miracles. Be wary. What's the formula? The formula is really simple. Let the Lord use you. Let the Lord perform miracles in your life. Give him the credit. Here, here's what I know. If you give Jesus the credit for something the devil does, he's going to run. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Man, Jesus, thank you for being so good for this job. The devil's going to be like, I'm out, yo. <laughs> does he want to hear the name of Jesus? If you are doing your part and worshiping and giving the Lord the praise and the glory for what's happening in your life, guess what you're not going to deal with? The enemy. <sighs> Let me turn to the Pharaoh today. This is it. My heart goes out to the Pharaoh. I don't know why. But this week I was just once again broken for this guy who I know the rest of the story. I'm reading the book, right? I've read it. I don't even know how many times at this point. And I know he's got great loss on the horizon. Great loss. The worst fear, I think, of any parent is losing a child. And it's coming. And I think about one, one person in particular I pray for every day, and I know he's lost. I think about, as a pharaoh, I'm like, you don't see it. Unbeknownst to you, the Lord is using you to show other people that God is good, and God is real, and God is moving. And I just pray that one day they'll wake up and the Lord will open their eyes, soften their hearts, Church, can the Lord break our hearts for the people who don't know the Lord today? Can we, young people, old people alike, can we come to grips with the fact that there are people everywhere going through the same hard stuff that we're going through, except they're going through it without Jesus? Oh, yeah, life's real rough, isn't it? Can you imagine going through it? Yeah, it is, it is rough. Can you imagine going through it without the Lord? Can you imagine going through life and sickness and death without the assurance of what's next, that's lonely. Especially when you and I both know we've experienced it on the inside, the freedom that has come from the Lord. 
You understand what I'm saying? There are people that are suffering. Church, we have got to get, how do I correct? How do I course correct, pastor? To the point that I'm not getting distracted with the enemy's miracles, but I'm asking God for miracles. Thank you for asking that question. Here's how. You start doing things that require miracles from God. How do I do this? I start living in such a way that God goes, oh, you're stepping out of your comfort zone. Oh, you need some supernatural reinforcement? It ain't a jet. God doesn't come out of heaven to buy you a freaking jet. He doesn't care about freaking jets. He comes out of his comfort zone to help you win the loss, to help you show a coworker how good he is and how much he loves you and that he loves them just the same. If you don't think you have the words, if you don't think you have the personality, great. You're just an X. You're just a cog in the wheel. When they reject you, who are they really rejecting? God. And when he gives you a miracle and his snake starts eating all the other snakes and you just go, at that moment, humility. Lord, soften their heart. I'm praying for that moment for one person in particular. Who are you praying for? You need a miracle for some of them. I'm going to tell you right now, right now, I need a big miracle. A big one, a public one. Why for me? No, for them. Here's a word I wrote for the Pharaoh today. I'm asking the Pharaohs today, will you consider that you aren't able to do all the things that you need? Will you consider that many things in your life could be a lot better than they are? Would you think about this, that my God needs nothing from anyone, but chooses to be involved with and love everyone? Would you consider that you are missing something? And and might I propose that my God is the thing or the person that you are missing? You still don't buy it? Then, Then think about all the things you need today, tomorrow, and the next day. Think about how it never stops. The continual search of the next thing could be over right now. Finding a relationship with Yahweh doesn't stop the work, but it brings a resolution to your heart that then permeates and flows into everything that you do. You no longer look for fulfillment in the things you do, but rather bring a balanced level of fulfillment to everything you do. You are not worried or anxious about your production, but are in constant contact with a superior someone that always has your back. God's big, strong hand and his outstretched arm is for you and it's for Pharaoh. Give that word to a Pharaoh this week. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.